very simple trick. It's called the circadian rhythm of the sun. It's a very scientific concept. You rise with the sun, eat the biggest meal when the sun is at the peak, and set with the sun. That is rule number one. Hello and welcome to Doctor Vedya's Heal at Home. This is your podcast for everything health, nutrition, fitness, yoga, Ayurveda, and much more. Hello. Hi. Good evening. How are you? Very good. Thank you. How are you? I am very good. Honestly, now with the lockdown, every day is an Ayurveda day for me. It's the National Day of Ayurveda, literally, because ever since the lockdown started, in fact, before the lockdown started. We've only been talking about immunity boosters, but for 90 days now, we started talking about it 20 uh, days before the lockdown started, right. and uh, only the government of India released it recently. All the immunity boosters from Ayurvedic perspective. Since then, every single day we've been working. We've been either teaching Ayurveda online, doing consultations because now anxiety is going up. People are having sleep issues, constipation, and stuff. And uh, going live, I realized how much I missed it because I took a break from Underwear Magnetry for the last few days, and I can't tell you how much I missed it. So we're going back with our season two, hopefully from next week. That's great. That's great. I, I I saw one of your videos where you were pretty emotional on the grand finale thing of of the Under the Mango Tree. So I think we'll come back to that. But uh, Dimple, how I'd like to start is if you can just give our guests a quick introduction. Who you are? How did you reach here? What is Prana? Because I think there will be a lot of questions right here. Very kind of you to ask me. Uh, so my name is Dimple Dimple Jangda. I'm the founder of Prana, and I started this in 2017 November. And in two and two and a half years, it's been quite a journey. To be honest, it's been quite humbling. Also, at the same time, we've treated patients from 45 countries, uh, and students uh, from 33 countries have studied Ayurveda with us. And it's just a small clinic in Bandra. To be honest, it's not a very big one. It's not very fancy. Also, it's beautiful. It feels like home. Right. That one tiny place with two treatment rooms and uh, three doctors and five therapists and a team of twenty-one people now right. attracted people from around the world for the simple reason that what we give is hope. Right. We give you hope that you'll get better, and we don't treat diseases diseases just at a physical level. We treat it at a mental and emotional level also. Right. Like this morning, I had a consultation with a patient from London and Birmingham, and uh, you know she spoke about eczema, and I said, "Wait, this is not just eczema." So I took my manager off the call, and I went on a private call with her, and I said, "This is a deep-rooted issue from your childhood, because this is eczema triggered in your childhood, either due to lack of attention, lack of love, or a suppressed emotion." And she broke down and spoke about her issues. The minute you release that emotion, you're also releasing the root cause of that disease, because all diseases have a psychosomatic origin. So this is how uh, Prana started its journey. How I happened to start Prana is a story by itself. Uh, I, uh, in my past life, I think I had like five different lives in this life itself. I'm a graduate in visual communications, which is filmmaking, and I did my masters in international business finance, and I was copywriter and advertising agency. Then I switched to TV reporting. I didn't find it meaningful. I switched to becoming a TV producer. I was like something interesting. I became an investment banker. I went all the way to New York and started my own company and experienced power and business class life and everything. And I was like, something is still missing. Huh? Something is wrong. And I was like, what is wrong? You know. And I was waking up with like weird, uh, uh, you know, what do you call questions? You know, for which you have no answers. What is the purpose of life? Why am I here? Da 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 da. Then I came back to India and I said, okay, you know what? I need to figure out who I am because that's the most important question. Who are you? And I was explaining to this patient this morning. I said, the pain in your life is the purpose of your life. Right. 
the pain that you go through, be it leukemia or cancer or domestic abuse or abusive marriage or, you know, rough childhood, anything that you go through should become the purpose of your life. Reason being, whatever pain you go through, your purpose should be to end that suffering, not just for yourself, but for everybody else around you and make sure nobody else experiences the way you did. So I had a bad childhood, like, you know, with a lot of diseases and stuff like that, a lot of surgeries, uh, abusive uh, past and everything. And now I feel like, you know, it all happened for a reason. Right. And Pana was born. Yeah. So that's a wonderful story. I think it's always some kind of a calling that a person has, like you said, that, you know, I used to wake up and what am I actually doing with my life, right? So I think that that is a very great point that you've, uh, you know, pointed out in the beginning of our conversation. So now I'll go to the questions. And my first question that I want want you to tell to the user, the average user, or anyone who's joining us here is, what is Ayurveda and are there different forms of Ayurveda? Very nice. We need to know, you know, what is Ayurveda? Because, uh, you know, what happens when there are barriers in our mind? Uh, judgment or biases or preconceived notions towards something. We create a block against it and we're not able to consume that information. Like now, a lot of people are waking up to Ayurveda and Naturopathy Yoga and they're saying, oh, allopathy is bad, allopathy is bad. Wait, who created allopathy? You created it, right? Why are you calling it bad now? You should never satanize anything. This is what I say. Because you know, what you satanize will become part of your life even more. You'll attract it into your life. What is Ayurveda? Ayurveda is simply Ayu plus Veda, which means knowledge of life. It's the science of life. Just like how a car is a specific prototype and comes from the uh, factory with a manual on what to put inside a car, whether you put petrol or diesel or electricity. Similarly, there are seven prototypes of human body that nature has created. Vata, Pitta, Kapha, Vata, Pitta, Pitta, Kapha, Vata, Kapha, Vata, Pitta, Kapha, Tridosha body. The nature has created a manual and imprinted that manual in your brain when you were born. That's why when you were born, the first thing you craved was mother's milk, not pav bhaji and pizza and burgers, right? That manual is a manual for survival and that manual helps you to fulfill your desire for a long, healthy, happy life. So Ayurveda is basically a manual from nature telling you how to live your life and fulfill the purpose of your life, which is dharma, artha, kama, moksha. You know, living a path of righteousness, earning money in a legal way, fulfilling all your desires and attaining the path of salvation. There is a science to it. There is an art to it. And most importantly, Ayurveda is a language. Just like how you learn English, Hindi, Tamil. You learn Ayurvedic language in your mind. You try to understand food from Ayurvedic perspective. Oh, is it Vata? Is it Pitta? Is it Kapha pacifying? Or oh, what Guna is it creating in me? And when you eat food based on what you're craving or the opposite of what you're feeling, you create a sense of balance. And remember, food creates emotions. There is a scientific research we've done. One of our faculties, Austin, who you interviewing tomorrow. We've done a research on gunas connected to emotions. Which food leads to which emotion? A specific dry, rough food will lead to fear of isolation, anxiety, fear, jealousy, envy. Right. So if I eliminate this food from my diet when I'm feeling vata imbalance, I can actually avoid emotions like jealousy and envy. So Ayurveda treats your diseases at a physical, mental and emotional level. And Ayurveda says all diseases have a psychosomatic origin. So we get to the root cause of the problem. Right. So let me go deeper into into what you've said, right? And let me start off with cooking, right? Because food is like the favorite of like food is food is like the gospel for everyone these days. So how can you include Ayurveda, right, into this art of cooking or eating? Cooking, great. I heard it as cocaine and I was like, okay, wait, should we talk about cocaine and what Ayurveda thinks about cocaine and marijuana and herbs? You know, because Ayurveda is like 
uh, what do you call um, a perspective on everything. It doesn't discriminate. It understands everything. Cooking is very interesting because your body is made of five elements: earth, water, fire, air, and space. You're not made of anything paranormal. This is the most basic element in your human body, and if you think you have something better than nature, then you're fooling yourself. You're made of nature. You were born from nature. You go back to nature, right? So that means first you have to apply the rule of farm to table, not factory to table. You eat foods that were grown on the farm and bring to the table, and not buy foods that were made and packaged in a factory. That's rule number one. Rule number two: just like how you are made of the five elements and the three doshas, vata, pitta, kapha, which are the three biological blocks and the building blocks of your body. Vegetables, fruits, spices, nuts, grains, legumes, beans, ghee—all have a dosha of their own. Like ghee is three dosha. Uh, grains and pulses are kapha and nature. Vegetables like you know cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli are vata and nature. Honey pacifies kapha. So similarly, just like how your body experiences a dosha, foods and vegetables also have a specific dosha. Like pitta is directly related to chili. Chili looks like pitta. So if you have chili, you'll be increasing your pitta. So if you understand what you're putting in your cuisines, and if you understand what you're experiencing in your body and what intuitively you should consume, and you match that equation, it's a mathematical equation. Right. Okay. You can actually solve it. So eating foods to pacify your dosha imbalances, be it vata, pitta, kapha imbalances, and eating food based on your prakriti can help you prevent diseases in advance. Because, like I said, Ayurveda is a manual. So when I know in advance that I'm a pitta prakriti, Ayurveda tells me in advance from experience and from knowledge that pitta prakriti has imbalances in the middle part of the body, and they have an inclination towards hyperacidity, acid reflux, indigestion. Bloating, abdominal distension, uh, abdominal distension, uh, irritability, hunger pangs, uh, anger issues. When I know in advance that I might have issues in liver, gallbladder, spleen, I can actually eat foods in advance to avoid those diseases altogether. Right. So it's a preventive science. Cooking is a preventive healthcare science. Right. But uh, does that mean that we we avoid, like for example, if I'm a pitta, then I avoid other kinds of food which are which I should not have according to being a pitta. Does that mean I can't even have it once? Or twice, or like cheat on them, or it's like a hardcore rule that you have to follow uh, that diet. No such thing. No such thing. Ayurveda has a concept called Shadarasa, the six tastes. Shadarasa, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, astringent, pungent. A balanced meal is a meal that incorporates all six tastes in the right proportion. Okay. So say I'm a Pitta Prakriti, and assume you're a Vata Prakriti. I must have one third plate of carbs, one third plate of protein, one third plate of vegetables, and less spicy, less oily foods. I should have food cooked in ghee. Your vata prakriti. You should have half plate carbs, quarter plate protein, quarter plate vegetables, and you should have foods that are greasy, warm, mildly spicy, mildly salty. In the sense, you just have to learn how much proportion of that taste and how much proportion of that vegetable to incorporate. So for a vata, cauliflower, cabbage, broccoli is not easy to digest. So what do you do? You never eat raw salads. You steam the vegetables and eat it with a little salt and pepper and some lemon squeezed in it to increase absorption and assimilation of nutrients. When you know in advance. That you don't digest that food well, you must learn where to sandwich that food. So, right. pavaji is my favorite. Where do I eat it? I shouldn't eat it at night because it can give me a burning sensation. I should eat it between 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the middle of the day when my digestion is at the peak and I can digest anything I want. And I must follow it with a glass of buttermilk to avoid pitta imbalance. Right. Ayurveda allows you to enjoy your food by learning how to balance. Right. How do you identify what what kind you are? Whether you are vata, pitta. 
I'll tell you very briefly, and I'll also give you a way to find out. There's a dosha quiz on our website called www.pranabydimplejangra.com. Uh, if Sudarshan is there, she can just type it out for you guys. Just go answer a, a set of fifteen questions on the kind of nails, skin, hair, teeth, stools, bubble movements, uh, appetite, stomach issues you have, and the kind of dreams you have also. That will tell you what dosha preference you are. Second thing is easy to identify. It's a very basic way, but it's very superficial and at surface level. It goes into many layers deep. Kapha is the thickest body type, and they generally have imbalances in this part of the body, like cough, cold, allergies, asthma, sinus, uh, hay fever, lung congestion, and stuff like that. And they are also called endomorph in modern science, which is the thickest body type. They tend to put on weight easily, but they struggle to lose weight. Okay, they're cool, they're stable, dense, smooth. They have supple skin. They're heavier. They have thick bones. They have stocky frame. That is kapha. Pitta is in the middle part of the body. So, in the sense, if you're a Pitta Prakriti, you'll notice imbalances in this part of the body more often. You might also have skin issues or sweating, excessive sweating. Your body is hot, oily, sharp, penetrating, focused. You're very courageous, capable. You're very uh, ambitious, aggressive, and driven. And Pitta Prakriti are generally uh, uh, medium built. They have good musculature. They're called mesomorph. They put on weight easily and they lose weight also very easily within a few workouts. The third body type is Vata. Vata is called ectomorph, and they rarely put on weight. They have very thin bones. They're very cool, light, airy, thin, and they taste a bitter as soon as they punch. And they tend to drink too much coffee. If you know these qualities, you can easily tell whether you're kapha pitta vata. In fact, if you just learn Ayurveda for three to five days, just by looking at a person, you'll be like kapha pitta vata, kapha pitta pitta vata, kapha vata. Three dosha. You'll right. be able to say it just by looking at them. But there can be a mix of two as well, right? Yes. Yes. See, there is a single body type. You can be either kapha dominant, pitta dominant, or vata dominant. It doesn't mean you don't have the other two doshas. You have to have all three doshas in your body. Each dosha has a role to play. Kapha is a biological water that binds things, so it's responsible for your bones, tissue, muscle, teeth, nails, hair. Pitta is a digestive fire that burns things. It's responsible for all chemical metabolic transformations in your body. Vata is a bodily wind principle that moves things. It's responsible for your respiratory system. You know, your lungs contracting, expanding, your blood circulating. Food moving from the stomach to the intestines to the colon. You must have all three doshas. Just that we are born with a prakriti, which is determined at the time of conceiving. That says which dosha is more dominant. So you can be kapha dominant, pitta dominant, or vata dominant. This is single body type. You can also be a dual body type where you're kapha pitta dominant, pitta vata dominant, or kapha vata dominant. You can also be three dosha, kapha pitta vata dominant, which is considered the best body type. So is there anything like if I'm this one, then I'm in like the best? best body type <laughs> is, is is there something like that see uh, in ayurveda three doshas consider the best body where all three doshas are in balance all the gods right from your uh, three lakh gods in india all of them are three dosha they have the body in balance which means they are able to pursue higher goals spiritual goals materialistic goals professional goals only when your body is in balance can you pursue higher goals and fulfill your desires the second best body type is kapha Because kapha is stability, support, and structure in the body. It's your bones, your tissue, muscle, teeth, nails, hair. Kapha also creates emotions like compassion, empathy, kindness, love, modesty, ability to forgive. That comes from kapha, and all of them must have good kapha. Vata is considered the weakest body type because eighty percent of the diseases comes from vata imbalance. So just because your vata prakriti doesn't mean it's a bad body type, it only means you have to have a very strict regime to avoid imbalances in vata. Okay, dual body types are usually not considered good because you know sometimes you can be kapha vata which are conflicting natures. Right. Kapha is sweet, sour, salty. Vata is bitter, astringent, pungent, and they conflict each other. So very rare it is for dual body type to be able to achieve three dosha. So what they have to do is if they're kapha vata, they should just focus on increasing their pitta. 
right then they become dosha so technically no body type is bad it's all in the mind you have to figure out how to turn it into your advantage like pitta is responsible for you know uh, ambition which yeah. is great courage capability yeah. vata is responsible for creativity and wisdom so which dosha is the best you tell me we need all three emotions <laughs> i think i right? am pitta i am pitta right is there any books for basic understanding of the chakras and doshas uh that and uh, judy yes we will save this live it will be available on igtv uh and if you have any questions you can put it right here or you can dm either simple or us uh so yeah so are there any books for basic understanding uh, of the one person who's written a really good book on ayurveda's uh, deepak chopra i haven't had an opportunity to read the book but the number of students i've got in my class from 33 countries who swear by that book for inspiring them into ayurveda i would recommend you read deepak chopra's book on ayurveda there's also dr vasant lal's book on ayurveda i would recommend instead of reading a book do an ayurvedic course you know we do a five day introduction to ayurveda course a lot of people are doing that do an introduction to ayurveda course under an instructor that you like whose voice you like listening because they will be able to open the barriers in your mind and remove the obstacles to that knowledge after that you engage in as many books as, as you want because remember books are written by human beings sometimes it might have the biases judgment and prejudices of that person also and you don't want to consume that without an existing unbiased knowledge of ayurveda so first get your foundation correct do a 5 day 10 day introduction to ayurveda course if you're still interested read more books hopefully we will also release a book but for now you can just look at our instructor page we're releasing a lot of blogs a lot of free content Read as much as you like. If you're intrigued, study. Study Ayurveda. Everybody should study. Anybody from the age of 11 up to the age of 90 should study. Our oldest student has been 67 year old male financial analyst from London. Our youngest student has been 16 years old. Our group of three kids from Querétaro, Mexico. Right. So it's relevant for all ages. Please, please do study. Right. Uh, very uh, good message that you know everyone, each one of us should know what Ayurveda is. uh you know go into into not just the basics but more than that because it's it's about our life right it's about preventing something that something bad that can happen to you right so this this is a great message now dimple going to the next question is that like you said in your in your one of your answers that uh your mood is influenced or your emotions are influenced by food right now uh how do you put in the concept of ayurveda here to to balance out that mood i i understand that uh, you know if you have a certain body type so you're eating so that can balance it but if someone's not following that and let's say they just say that you know dimple i'm watching you right now i can't immediately do all of this i i'm cranky i i, uh, I get angry easily I, i eat all different kinds of food what should i do what should i do to maintain that balance so i'll do one thing uh, there are actually 20 gunas in the universe gunas means qualities uh every living non living object thoughts actions and deeds have a guna to it or a quality to it and each food type whether it's heavy light hot cold uh dry rough uh liquid uh oily light all these food qualities have a specific emotional quality we'll not get into that because it's very detailed let's just get into shadarasa the six tastes have a role to perform sweet food is the first food we crave when we're born right sweet food helps building bones tissues at a physical level at an emotional level it helps in creating emotions like compassion empathy kindness love that's why we propose with a box of chocolates not a box of chili or pavbhaji right because chocolates release in, uh, endorphins and uh, they also release serotonin and they create happiness right they create dopamine in the body so what do you do 
you eat sweet foods when you're feeling angry or restless or you know irritable eat a bowl of sweets ghee based uh, ghee based sweets homemade sweets are the best okay so sweet food actually sweetens your emotions there is a saying meetha khao meetha bolo it is true Right. That's why we finish our food with a small piece of sweet to take down the spices from the lunch mm. or the dinner, and also to sweeten our mood in a celebratory mood. That's why when there's a child born in the house, we distribute sweets. When someone passes away, we don't eat sweets because we're in mourning. Okay. Right. Second is salty foods. Salty food creates interest in the food. If the food is bland, you won't feel like eating it. But the minute I put salt in it, you'll be like, Shh, you start salivating. That's why chips are salivating. In a sense, no one can eat just once because it creates a sense of addiction. So, salty food creates interest in food, and it also creates interest in life. But excess of salt will create gluttony, obesity, uh, greed, addiction, and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, sour foods is excellent. Nimbu. It creates enthusiasm. When I squeeze lemon on my pabhaji or lemon on top of my poha, it creates enthusiasm in you to taste that food, and at an emotional, mental level, also creates enthusiasm. Bitter food. Helps in deworming, detoxifying, and lightening the tissues. That karela, coffee, uh, spinach, meethi, ajwain. At a mental level, also it helps you let go of attachment. Okay, but excessive bitter food, excessive coffee can make you bitter in your mind also. Okay, astringent food has the ability to dry up the saliva in your mouth. It takes up the moisture in your mouth and in the stomach. It helps in binding things. It helps you bring things together. If you're unfocused and scattered all over, having astringent foods like a bowl of pomegranate or pineapple will actually help you collect your thoughts and bring it back together. Okay, it also creates alertness and awareness. Astringent food. The next is pungent food. It actually creates saliva in the mouth, boosts your metabolism. It creates energy and drive you. When you eat spicy food, you feel like there's a fire in the belly. You want to go achieve things. So these are the six tastes which create emotions. Then there are twenty gunas that create twenty emotions, and we can go on forever on this uh, conversation. So, uh, so I have, uh, I have this question. Uh, wherein I see a lot of millennials these days, right, are, are not, uh, are not, uh, are not completely aware about the concept of Ayurveda. And if we talk about the Gen Z, right, if I talk about the, like the little brothers of mine or us, they so are like, oh, what is Ayurveda? It's like a new word to us. How did we reach here, right? Because you've had a varied career. Is it because that once something West? Does for example, they pick up yoga, right? And then yeah. they they're paying thousand dollars an hour. Then in India, people just want to do yoga, right? There's 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 this huge curve which is going up. And now yeah. now Ayurveda has started to come back into India, right? Because now the diseases are increasing. People are not keeping healthy. There's this whole kind of food cycle that uh, kids are going from the age of five. So once once they grow up, they are having different kinds of reactions to their bodies. How did we reach to this level? Like why has this happened? See, I'll tell you what. You know, I thought a lot about it. I was like, you know, how come I'm so interested in Ayurveda, and my parents are not, but my grandparents were practicing Ayurveda knowingly, unknowingly. So I was like, you know, where did this disconnect happen? And when I started looking back at the history of Ayurveda, when the colonial rule happened in India, they shut down all Ayurvedic colleges, and they said, henceforth, Western medicine will be the primary line of medicine. Ayurveda, naturopathy, homeopathy, yoga, which was a primary mode of medicine in India, was made alternative medicine. Even today, we call it alternative medicine, which is a shame. That was a primary mode of medicine. Right. This is not alternative. This is a curative and a preventive healthcare science. Prevention is better than cure. Right. It gets to the root cause of the problem. Allopathy and Western medicine is symptomatic treatment, where it treats the symptoms, not the root cause of the disease. And eventually, you end up with surgeries. Allopathy is good for acute diseases or situations like a fracture or a heart attack or an accident. Right. But chronic diseases for more than 14 days can only be treated by Ayurveda, naturopathy, homeopathy, or yoga. 
So what has happened is when the Ayurvedic colleges were shut down, the colonial rule happened, and suddenly Ayurveda, which was practiced in regional languages, was lost in translation because English became our official language. Right. Our parents, our previous generation, were busy trying to fit in. They were struggling to keep alive with the changing times and to provide a living, a good life for you and me. Right. So our parents didn't have time to practice Ayurveda. They were busy practicing only. uh modern science and allopathy and you know english language and the validation of the west has become like you know some kind of a disease in our mind we think of the white skin validated it must be superior right. we went from india to us and i come back as columbus yoga and now ayurveda is actually practiced more in california by the likes of deepak chopra and the who's hollywood and every third salon there is an ayurvedic salon there now true okay skin care beauty care they use ayurveda in india we made a spa of ayurveda We yeah. only think Ayurveda is a spa for a massage. We don't realize Ayurveda is a disease care treatment. We've actually seen in our clinic multiple sclerosis, paralysis, cancer patients survive and recover with just Ayurveda. What has happened to us? It's not a spa. Anytime someone calls my clinic saying that can I get a massage, we say no, we don't have massage center. We hang up. <laughs> you call me and say you have a disease. We'll go all the way to take care of you. We'll in fact put money out of our pocket, you know, to help you uh, recover. But the minute someone says we want a massage or you know can I get a good spa session, we're like no, we don't have it at all. <laughs> so that that's the reason why you know the uh, Ayurvedic language broke because there was a language gap from regional to English language. There was a time gap for three hundred four hundred years. There was no research and development done. There's no yeah. There's no grants. We're not publishing enough research material now. What we've done in our clinic, we take Ayurvedic texts on Panchakarma treatment for the gut and colon. and we took research reports from Maryland's uh, Stanford and all of these universities in US that said that colon is responsible for 90% of the diseases and we must cleanse our colon so we just did the research reports from west to validate the effect of ayurveda and panchakarma now people are willing to listen to us initially when i was marketing only ayurveda nobody heard panchakarma nobody wanted to hear me but the minute i said maryland atlanta georgia university says da 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 everyone's like oh yes tell me more <laughs> that's that, that's there i think that's there some kind of thing that i think it will take some time to go out of a system uh, but yes. i'm very glad even we at dr vedya are very glad that you know people get excited now for ayurveda right because this is not just something which is temporary we are like putting putting this like you know it just becomes a day like like a daily thing in their life right having these having these supplements organic supplements or or taking this stuff practicing yoga taking care of themselves so we are we are very happy even as a community i'm sure you'll agree that you know we've seen an increasing interest uh, in people and the second thing that i feel apart from people uh, you know observing the west is bollywood right people love bollywood and they're like oh if this actor is doing this kind of exercises or is going for this treatment to this clinic for ayurveda i have to Right, so I think some kind of positive things are coming out from because I've seen you've done it with a lot of stars, right? Uh, you've done this, and they endorse Ayurveda from the bottom of their heart. Right, right, right. You know, so that that's the great thing. Uh, so now uh, this is one question that I want. You know, I'll just add to that millennial thing. Uh, something just came to me. A uh, lot of celebrities, of course, you know, almost forty-five, fifty celebrities have come to Prana from Hollywood and Bollywood, right, from Dev Patel to Juhi Chawla and everyone. they have felt impact of ayurveda and i told them one simple thing you don't have to endorse my brand endorse the concept of ayurveda because there are a lot of youngsters looking up towards you for influence in it so you're in a position of influence use it for good and they've all gone out to you know present ayurveda in a good light and they want to become brand ambassadors of ayurveda that has happened second i'll tell you my clinic is attracting 
a lot of young people i'm sure others have also felt this a lot of young people 16 year old kids from kerataro uh, 20 year old kids from brazil i've had so many kids three kids from kerataro two kids from brazil so many kids from madagascar and india coming to us to learn ayurveda because they've done trying to fit into that commercial role of study get a job get a house get a, a car loan get a house loan. they don't want that line they don't want that straight line like they want something meaningful so a lot of young uh, 2000 uh, indigo children are actually attracted to the concept of ayurveda they will revive ayurveda they will make this the era of immunity and the era of preventive healthcare so i have a lot of hope for our future generations same as same we at dr vedya has also started with this mission right that we want to make sure that we get best stuff out there for our youth for for our elderly because this is like a 150 year old legacy that arjun continuing right his grandfather was huge into ayurveda right so we are we are really happy with the mission that arjun is driving here at dr vedya uh one of the last questions that i want to put in before i let everyone enjoy the sunday now uh is that you know there's something that i observed about the uh health clock or 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 some concept which is known as the ayurvedic clock that you had put in that there are times in the day when you should sleep eat these are the times when you should uh, do most of your productive work but let's come to 2020 right i saw that right i saw that i have my personal views i'm not going to put uh, my personal views here how do how is someone that who's working like 12 hours a day does not have parents or or the maid to cook foodias cook foodias in his house he he, uh, he or she is in a lockdown right now how do they adapt to this clock because to all the people that i know they're sleeping around 1ish 2ish at night yeah me too me too yeah yeah so how do we adapt then because then even if you're not following one part of it it's as good as not following the rest right so how yeah. how yeah. that work very simple trick it's called the circadian rhythm of the sun it's a very scientific concept you rise with the sun eat the biggest meal when the sun is at the peak and set with the sun that is rule number 1 okay so when you wake up in the morning ideally the best time to wake up is between 5 to 7 a.m because the colon is active then and you can eliminate waste from your colon if you're not able to wake up early in the morning early it's okay still wake up and make sure the first thing you put in your mouth is 200 ml of warm water have 2 to 3 cups of warm water to lubricate your digestive tract and push the toxins downwards and start with the fruit start with some herbal digestive teas made of jeera ajwain saff elaichi uh, coriander seeds cinnamon cardamom grated ginger pepper star anise put all these spices make a nice herbal tea don't put tea and coffee and drink it to stimulate your metabolic fire have a fruit to stimulate your gut flora then have a small breakfast you don't even have to cook if you don't have maize and help at least have herbal teas it just takes a few seconds to put the herbs into the water go do your morning errands and then come back and have the tea and eat a fruit don't even chop it fancy just eat right. it raw wash it well and eat it then have a small cooked breakfast you can even have cereals and muesli soaked in milk lunch and dinner you can have something as simple as dal chawal or moong dal khichdi right. make sure you have foods again at 4 o'clock don't eat anything after sunset don't eat heavy hard to digest foods like pizza burgers meat fish eggs coke and all of these you know carbonated drinks because they take more than 72 hours to get digested in the body 24 hours in the stomach 24 hours in the small intestine 24 hours in the large intestine if you're struggling to fall asleep at night just take half glass of milk half glass of water and a pinch of jaifal nutmeg boil it together and drink it at bedtime it will induce good sleep if you're the kind who likes to watch netflix amazon to 2 in the morning it's okay we'll forgive you now it's lockdown you also need to feel some happiness watch it but ensure you get at least 5 hours of deep rem sleep close the curtains put some coconut oil on the top of your head only in this part massage your hands and legs with sesame oil keep your body warm and just go to sleep for at least 5 hours have haldi do that night even that will reduce inflammation just ensure 
not to eat when you're not hungry. If you follow that rule, you're sorted. Eat only when you're hungry. Don't eat after sunset. Two rules you can follow yeah. with lockdown. Everyone who's out there, specifically who's young and 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 in their twenties, late twenties, beginning thirties, is listening to uh, what you're saying is because it's very important, right? For for doing this at at this point of time. And anyway, we are in such unprecedented situation right now with the lockdown and the COVID. So I'll take quick uh, two questions. One is, are juice fast effective? Second is, what about vegan diet? See, vegan diets is excellent, uh, especially given the uh, current period. I'm not a vegan. I tried being vegan two, three times, but I feel the need for ghee. So I could call myself a vegan with the exception of ghee in my diet. I try to avoid like you know dhuud and dahi and uh, 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 stuff like that. Uh, vegan diets are excellent because you're avoiding milk that comes from a factory, which is loaded with estrogen, drugs, and steroids and antibiotics that the cow is injected with, and sometimes it comes with the trauma and cortisol of the cow in the form of pus and blood in the milk. So if you're having a vegan diet. You've completely eliminated any kind of cortisol entering your diet, so that is great. Uh, congratulations to you for following a vegan diet. Just ensure you have a lot of cold pressed coconut oil in your diet to keep your body lubricated from inside and to avoid vata imbalances. Okay, don't eat too much raw salads. Have steamed raw salads, especially if you're vegan. Have well cooked foods. Uh, the other question you asked me was for uh, the sec- other question is: Are juice fasts effective? Yes, yes, it is, it is. But I will tell you, the uh, concept of having juices is uh, excessively lazy. You should be eating fruit because when you eat fruit, you create that much uh, saliva in your mouth, which aids in digestion. But when you have juice, you're basically paying for expensive urine. It just goes straight to the stomach, straight to the intestine, and to the colon. Twenty percent of energy is absorbed. But if you're going on a juice fast, where you're only drinking fruit juices, monitored by an Ayurvedic or a naturopathy doctor, say you're having it for three days or seven days, it actually gives a break to your liver. Your liver's main job is to detoxify the body. So when you are going on a juice fast, your liver starts eliminating all kinds of colorful toxins out of your body, like black and dark green and light green and orange and white color waste. Everything starts coming out. It's a great way to detoxify the body, but do it only when you're monitored by an Ayurvedic naturopathy doctor. Just doing juice fast, you know, as a fad, you'll do it after three days. You go back to junk eating and you gain back all the weight, which is not correct. You have to ease back also to a normal life after juice fast. Right. So I've got another question. Uh, one, of, you know, sometimes we go on weddings or parties, and for two, three days, we are just having all kinds of fun, eating whatever we want, drinking whatever we want, and then for the next one week, we go on like a detox. Right. This huge word that. The youth has picked up, right? Detox diet, right? And do you think that is that is uh, does that really help? That after uh, let's say a certain time, for example, two, three, four days, you're just eating whatever you like. You're having junk, or someone's going through some trouble. Just eating yeah. and blending it through, and then after that, they're just like you know, for the next three days, I'm gonna eat salad. I'm gonna drink warm water. So does that work? See, I'll tell you what. The aim is to become three dosha and balanced in life. Okay, wherein you eat consciously. Unconscious eating will lead to diseases eventually, right? If you're going to unconsciously and you know just uh, jam food into your body during a wedding and eat all kinds of non-veg and exotic meat cuts, you know cold cuts and meats and like lots of sweets and all, you're abusing your body by going extremes. That is one. Eat food with consciousness and awareness. I go to weddings. I enjoy eating like you know pan puri and bhel puri and masala puri. But there's a sense of balance. If I'm going to eat some kind of junk, I make sure to line my stomach walls with dal kichri before leaving for the wedding. Before leaving for the wedding, I'll have a bowl of mundal kichri. I satiate my hunger by half, so that at the wedding I don't end up overeating junk. That is one. Now, say you had to go out of station and you had to travel out. You were eating out at restaurants for three days, four days. Come back home and do seven days of mono diet, where you eat only mundal kichri for lunch and dinner. 
mono diet gives a break a holiday to your liver to detoxify the body again and that simple food to balance and remove all kinds of preservatives or ill effect that you might have got from the previous food because you know the previous food might have caused toxins and ama which is poison in your body due to wrong combinations you need to remove that so definitely go on a mono diet for 7 days if you've like you know been uh, what do you call it, cheating on your diet a lot but over a period of time achieve a sense of balance wherein every day is a cheat day in a beautiful way right So uh one last thing before we end this session is is there any three point golden rule or two point golden rule that irrespective of the body type you have right these two foods or or juices or water or any basic fruit you should have every day or every alternate day any any two golden key rules for uh, to live okay. with I give three ingredients and three juice okay. uh juice eat only when you're hungry okay eat only 80% of your appetite and do not eat after sunset do not eat after three easy thing so eat I'm, when you're hungry yeah eat when you're hungry have a bowl of soup at least or at least have a glass of milk okay eat 80% of your appetite if your stomach is this big eat only this much okay and third is don't eat after sunset that's rule number 1 uh, this set of do's three ingredients that you should incorporate in your diet right now given the covid-19 situation if you can have uh, neem or philanthus naruri empty stomach early morning it will boost your immunity second is either have amla or chavan prash in your diet Okay, one teaspoon of chan prash. These will also boost your immunity. They are anti-carcinogenic, anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral. The third thing is haldi dooth. If you're not having milk, if you're vegan, you can have even coconut milk or almond milk with a little haldi. Haldi dooth at bedtime will boost your immunity, reduce inflammation in the body. It's excellent for neurological and psychosomatic health. Considering we are all going through different kinds of stress, but remember, if you stay positive and remember, we're all in this together. You'll get through this also. Perfect. It was such a uh, such a great experience for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys and uh, good health to everyone. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dr. Vedya's Heal at Home. Until the next episode, we'd love to hear back from you for questions, feedback, or anything else. You can find us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Vedya's, and we'd love to have a chat with you. And if you like what you heard, then don't forget to press the subscribe button and do share it with your friends and family. We're nothing without our listeners.